Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. South by Southwest. Man, good day, Austin, Texas. Live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. That's right. South by Southwest now comes to a close. It's 6th Street, the most dangerous street in Texas. You know, another year, another Austin festival, and yet another shooting. Is 6th Street the most dangerous street? I need you to give me a call and tell me. My, my call-in number is 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-LIVE. So just like with Rot Rally last summer, there's been another shooting in the same spot on the same block of 6th Street. Why does this keep happening? Police are defunded and guns are now allowed in most bars due to changes in their liquor license via COVID lockdowns. But there are other variables factoring into what is causing these events to repeat so consistently. What should the Austin City Council do to prevent further mass shootings from happening? Give me a call. 512-643-5483. The Austin Police Association says uh, they are saddened to see another mass shooting on East 6th Street last night. This shooting falls on the footsteps of a shooting downtown on Wednesday night where over 70 rounds were fired. That is 7-0. Seven, 7-0 zero. Seven, zero rounds were fired. Just last night, our officers made over 30 arrests and seized over 19 firearms. All of these, you know, all of the arrests and seizures were on East 6th Street or in the surrounding area. You know, it's their understanding that over 50 firearms were seized from the same area in the past five days. Some of the charges filed were for assaultive offensive, disorderly conduct, unlawfully carrying a weapon, felon in possession of a firearm, and aggravated assault. You know, it should also be noted that several of these firearms were stolen. And they are extremely proud of the work done by the officers and the Austin Fire Department, EMS, and other law enforcement agencies from over, tra you know, their Travis County and, and the law enforcement uh, community there. So very good response to getting to the injured and getting them to safety because over 70 rounds were fired during this incident this morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 a.m. And, you know, and someone said, you know, there's, uh, what is it, the four, what is it called? The four what? Oh, the 
four rules of stupid that came from uh john korea who's a great guy in the, in the self-defense industry but yeah the four rules of stupid are basically don't go stupid places at stupid times with stupid people and do stupid things <laughs> you can get away with a few breaking a few of those but you put them all together and it's just a recipe for disaster all right, and that's, that's our guest, Uncle Zoe, and he's going to talk to us uh, about a couple things today. We're going to talk about him going from fear of guns to competing with guns. Man, this is a great story. you got to listen to this. Going from being afraid of guns, not liking them, to competing and shooting a lot of guns. That's a great story. We're going to talk about that. But you know what? When it comes to downtown Austin on 6th Street, you know, in that party district, you know, I've been telling people, we've been saying this for years now at least for two years ever since like 2019 2020 been saying look you know because of COVID-19 especially 2020 uh, when the bars wanted to open because everything got shut down because of the state law the bars wanted to open they had to change their liquor license and start serving food and go from a bar to a restaurant so when the bars changed their liquor license from a bar to a restaurant that also changed their gun status and their knife status when it's a bar, they make when they make 51% or more, their income of you consuming alcohol on the premises, you're a bar. That means that all firearms are illegal, and you also cannot take a knife where the length of the blade is over five and one half inches. That is illegal in a 51% establishment, a bar. But if they change their liquor license from a bar to a restaurant, that means they change their gun status and knife status. A restaurant, you can now have a any you can have any type of gun in a restaurant. You can have any size knife in a restaurant. And I, I'm telling you people, 90% of the bars on 6th Street and Rainy Street are restaurants. They are not bars because they changed their liquor license. So guns are legal in all those places. Take a look at some of the liquor licenses. I want you to look at you know, some of the, 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 place, the spots where the shooting took place. You know, We're going to slide through. We're going to look at... Some of those different liquor licenses. And, and I want you to look down to the bottom right where it says gun sign blue. When it says gun sign blue, that means they're a restaurant. That means all guns and all any size knife, it's legal in that establishment. You know, If it said gun sign red at the bottom right, then that means it's a 51% establishment. No guns are illegal. So you got, you know, Pecker Woods. You know, this, these are going to be all the bars slash restaurants that are right where this shooting took place. Pecker Heads. What'd I say? Pecker Woods. Well, you know, <laughs> I was thinking of the people. I wasn't thinking of the bar. <laughs> I, I, excuse me, forgive me, uh, Pecker Heads. You're okay? forgiven. Thank you. Uh, so, and, 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 and we, you know, we flip through all these different, you know, establishments. You know, uh, these are all the ones that are right there, you know, on 6th Street where this shooting took place and where the previous mass shooting took place. They're all gun sign blue. Gun sign blue. Next one, gun sign blue. They're all gun sign blue. You know, you just keep going. You know, that whole block, that whole little area there, they're all gun sign blue. And to understand why this has happened, we have to rewind to the beginning of COVID when they shut down bars. All these bars that were previously gun sign red, which means that they get 51% or more of their revenue from alcohol, changed their status to a restaurant just by taking a basket of chips and putting it at every table. Yeah. And so they got their gun sign changed from red to blue, which allowed them to open up as a restaurant during mm. COVID, during all the shutdowns when bars could not be open. And what you cannot do is you cannot just take security, you know, lightly. 
You know, if you, you need to search people and check people, make sure they're not coming to your establishment if you don't want them to, want them to bring guns inside. You got to search and check people. Use a wand. Use a metal detector. That's going to be the only way to make sure that we can make sure that, you know, the bars are safe. And if you want to make sure that entire 6th Street area is safe, you're going to have to treat it like the other festival, like we do uh, uh, Zoka Park doing, you know, ACL Festival. You create a you block it all off, create an entrance way and then search people as they enter the area, just like we do. You know, the entire park, you know, normally throughout the day, you know, every day throughout the year, you can walk into the park. When it's the festival, you can't. No guns are allowed because the festival's going on. You can't do security like this. You, you, you can't just, you know, just wave your hands around, you know, around a person's body to check and see if they're carrying guns. This is not how we do security here, people. You got to check them. You, we got to do better. If we do not, we risk the chance of losing some of our gun rights. Because the message that we sent to the Capitol, we said, there's not going to be blood in the street. You know, this is not going to happen. This is not, you know, it didn't happen in 1995. It didn't happen in 1997. It didn't happen in 2017 or 2016. You know, it, it's not going to happen. But you know what? It's not happening. We've had two major mass shootings on the same spot in the same area. If we don't do something, we're going to lose some rights. So we have to do something now. we got to do better. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Kure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. So is 6th Street the most dangerous street in Texas? Well, I need to answer that question. Because someone's saying here on Twitter, yes, 100% because of the underage kids hanging out, causing 90% of the problems. Time to reinstate the curfew for under 18. Ah. And someone else says, well, you know, um, Mr. Cargill, I can confirm many 6th Street spots are complying with Pat down metal detector method by door guy. I think it's like a situation similar to last year involving people just walking around. Well, and that's why I suggest, you know, just treating it like um, ACL, you know, and Zoka Park 
where you just block off, barricade that area. And as people enter the 6th Street Party District, what you do is you allow open container, allow people to, you know, you know, to grab a drink and go from bar to bar and drink, you know, and walk into the next bar. But to get into the area, you got to go through a checkpoint, be searched, you know, wanted and all that kind of stuff to make sure, you know, weapons aren't allowed. And I think that will solve a lot of the problems also. You know, maybe that's too far. I don't know. You know, I, you know, and I get it. I understand, you know, but we've got to do something because if you don't do something in that area, you cannot have that many shootings in that same area, you know, every six months, mass, a mass shooting every six months. We can't allow that. Yeah, that last one was huge. What was it? 14 people were shot and one man was killed. That is correct. Right. And we had uh, the the family members, the, the, the family of brother and their and the father uh, lawyers. Yeah. And the father the and also the mother on the show. And that was that was really bad because it was two guys shooting at each other. They missed every shot and just. Hit bystanders. Hit all innocent people. They did not hit each other once. Not once. Didn't even scratch each other, but shot all innocent people. Yep. You know, and then, you know, look at this situation here. 70 bullets were fired last night or this morning at 2 o'clock in the morning. That came from more than one gun, people. Mm-hmm. But only one person was arrested. Yeah, and it's <laughs> things like this that's so stupid, you can't fix that with the law. No. There's can't. no way. No. We, we got to do better. We, we're going to have to do something. We it, It's going to take... You know, enforcing the law is going to take, you know, once the Austin Police Department arrests someone, it's going to take the district attorney, you know, prosecuting that person. And that's also part of the problem. If your DA is not prosecuting, you know, these people, there are no consequences. Uh, Someone else says, um, yes, the consequences are different, but it would enforce it in the same sense of verbal warning, but not know of someone is actually caring if it's concealed. Let me see more about what she's talking about here. All right, so part of that conversation was she said, okay, they could easily place a 30.06 or 30.07 sign banning them, no different than them solely a bar banning, you know, people from carrying guns in a bar. Okay, there's a difference between a 30.06 and a 30.07 sign being posted versus a 51% sign. If a, if a bar is actual 51%, that is a felony to carry any firearms at all, handgun or long gun inside of a bar. What do people? What people do not know is... Prior to September the 1st of 2021, loan guns were actually legal in bars in Texas. And a lot of people don't know that. If you had a smart attorney and you, for some strange reason, prior to September the 1st of 2021, you ended up in a bar with a rifle, you could get that, that charge dropped or dismissed because it was actually legal before September the 1st of 2021. After September 1st, 2021, it became a felony to have a long gun, a rifle, a shotgun inside of a bar, as well as a handgun. So it's a felony to have any guns at all inside a 51% establishment. Now, when it comes to a 30.06 or 30.07 sign posted at a business, that sign itself is only a Class C misdemeanor. But if they give you verbal notice, any verbal notice at all, that is a Class A criminal trespass, and that's up to one year in jail. If they tell you verbally to leave and you refuse to leave and you're carrying a gun, that is a class A misdemeanor up to one year in jail. But if you're, you know, you know if they post a third out of 607 sign, you don't see the sign, you don't notice it, you go in, they have to give you verbal notice if you're a license holder. If you're carrying a Texas constitutional carry law, you have to see whatever signs posted. You know, any sign is posted at all, you have to see it and you cannot carry, you're committing a crime. Also, when it comes to alcohol people, 
any amount of alcohol at all, if you are carrying on the Texas constitutional carry law and you have any amount of alcohol in your system at all, you are committing a crime. You cannot be intoxicated if you have a firearm and you're 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 carrying. You can't be intoxicated at all. If you have a license as of September 1st of 2021, if you have a license to carry a handgun, you could be 0 0.08. That is the legal limit for a license holder carrying a gun and intoxicated. 0 .08, 0 0.08. Without a license of the constitutional carry, you cannot be intoxicated. I suggest go back to class, update yourself, you know, get a refresher course and learn what these laws are. These things, these things change a lot. Every two years, they change. But you know what? Let's change gears a little bit. We're going to change right now. We're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about Uncle Zoe. We're going to talk about going from going from fear of guns to competing with guns. Uncle Zoe, welcome to Come and Talk It. All right, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Man, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you wind up being afraid of guns? Well, it it was a weird thing. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up around guns, didn't have any family members who were into hunting or anything like that. And I spent a lot of my uh, teenage years and early adulthood in California where you know, around there, the norm is that guns are only things that either bad guys, gang members or whatnot carry or law enforcement, right? Those are the good guys and the bad guys. That's it. Regular people, just not a thing. And I didn't even realize I was actually scared of guns until I went over to a uh, coworker's house who had some guns laying around his house. And I was like, Hey man, this is making me uncomfortable. And it's just completely irrational. Didn't really come from any place that I could identify. It just, it was there. Uh, fast forward. Several years later, I moved to Texas. Uh, my best friend had guns. He invited me to go out to the range. And again, there was a little bit of discomfort there. But as I got familiar with them, started learning about them, I kind of realized, I was like, wow, that fear that I had was just dumb. There, there was no rational explanation as to why I had it. And it turned out that, you know what, these things are, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and... But, you know, they are a dangerous weapon, so I kind of went the route with, uh, and especially talking to my wife, who was a born and bred California oh, girl, boy. Uh, she was like, yeah, I don't think we're going to have those in the house unless you go and get yourself some training and figure what's going on there. So I was like, well, all right, let's go to it. So I took a private lesson uh, just to understand basic operation, basic safety, uh, bought my first gun and started taking it through the range regularly. Then I found myself probably a few months after that in Michael Cargill's uh concealed carry class uh, oh wow i didn't know way that. back in the day yep you, you were uh my first step towards uh self-defense and carrying legally um this was of course back before we had constitutional carry and those right. things nowadays oh okay wow uh so yeah it was original chl so even pre-ltc days nice okay and that was that i started carrying a handgun went to the range regularly and just shot recreationally was really about it i'm always shocked you know and i run into people all the time i was in um I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I was in the liquor store <laughs> last night. <laughs> I went to the liquor store last night and I was in the liquor store and getting, you know, like a couple of cases of beer there. And the guy was at the register next to me to my right. He goes, oh, well, I feel safe in here now. Michael Cargill's in the liquor store. <laughs> I was like, it's funny when people say your first name and your last name. It just throws me off every single time. You know, so it's like, man, I have to always behave myself and be on my game no matter where I am. Are there laws about carrying in a liquor store? You can carry a gun in a liquor store. It's up to the liquor store to post a sign that says you can't. You know, with a license, you can carry. You know, they have a 30607 sign. You don't see the sign, don't notice it. You can carry your gun inside the liquor store. So it's all about if the, signage. If they, have a, if they have someone stand at the door, like they had a security guard there, 
And one time I walked in, I was openly carrying my handgun, and the security guard said, hey, you can't bring, you can't openly carry in here. I said, okay. So I went back to the vehicle, you know, and I concealed it, you know, and then came back in, and he was good with that. I said, okay, yeah, good. So, yeah, you, you know, they can give you verbal notice. So verbal notice, verbal notice carries a lot of weight, so watch out for that verbal notice. I've noticed a couple liquor stores posting 51% signs up at the front door. <laughs> oh, and we can go to the TABC's website, and we can look up their liquor license, but no, they're not 51% because they're not consuming alcohol. You're not consuming alcohol inside the liquor store. And if you are consuming, they're doing taste tests, you're not, they're not making 51% or more of their income if you're consuming it, so they're definitely not 51%. So those signs are, mean, they mean nothing. The right. sign means nothing. It's what it says on the TABC website mm -hmm. that you can screenshot mm -hmm. for court purposes. Basically. Right. Doesn't mean you're not going to get arrested because yeah, they call mm -hmm. the police. They may push the issue. You may get arrested. But you can get that case dropped. You know, you do a screenshot. And by the way, I'm not giving legal advice. I'm just telling you what I do. <laughs> I give you legal advice. Personally, if I see that signage, I'm guessing that the establishment is not gun friendly. So Right. I yeah. wouldn't. I would just go somewhere else if you have the option to, just to avoid any trouble. I don't want to get arrested. Not give, don't give me your money. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Man, I tell you, Uncle Zoe, that's why we got you here today. Let me tell you. Oh, he's like my uncle. Just, you know, lead me down the, the path of righteousness. All right, so Uncle Zoe, tell me, uh, so you, you know, you, you took the, the concealed handgun license course right. back then is what it was called. Now it's called the LTC class, and then what happened? Well, I went for a while where I just did nothing more than just shoot at a static range. And I think it was probably, I don't know, a year or two after that, that my kids started showing interest. My wife started showing a little bit of interest. And I decided that, you know what, if I'm going to teach anybody something that I know very little about, I might as well go ahead and get some additional training. Mm. So that's what I did. Went and took a, an intermediate pistol class. And that kind of was one of the catalysts that made me realize that, you know what, I don't know as much as I think I do. Mm. I know a lot less than I do. Mm. And because I always tell people the, the, the concealed handgun license or the license carry handgun course is only designed to teach you the laws of the state of Texas, it's not designed to teach you how to shoot or work on proficiency or anything like that. You know, we just evaluate your proficiency, make sure you, you know, you know, the very basics, you're not right. going to hurt yourself. But then we really cover laws and it's a lot of information in a short amount of time. You know, and then that's it. You know, yep. but outside of that, you are you really prepared to defend yourself? You know, are you fully capable of doing that? It may take it's gonna take a bunch of other classes. Oh, we come does. back from the break. We're gonna talk a little more with Uncle Zoe. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talking. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so, man, we got Uncle Zoe, and he's telling us about, you know, his him going from, you know, really having a fear of guns to competing. And, and, and you know, I, I'm interested in this story because a lot of people come to class because they want to learn, especially nowadays. In 2022, they're coming because they want to learn. They want to make sure they're doing it right. And so... The classes have kind of dropped down a little bit. Not so many people are coming to class now because we have constitutional carry in effect. So we, we still have, you know, a lot big classes, you know, but just not having as many people in those classes. And the people that are coming, you know, and I'll ask them, I say, well, why are you coming? Because you do know that constitutional carry is in effect. You don't need a license to, to carry a gun. They say, well, because I want to know what the laws are. Right. You know, and, and, you know, and I've had people that will come to class and they tell me that people will try to talk them out of coming to class. They say, you don't need to take a class because, you know, constitutional carries in effect. You can carry a gun. You don't need a license. You don't need a class. You know, but man, you know, you got to know what the laws are and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The way I see it is your uh, license to carry class. That's how you make sure you don't get caught riding dirty. <laughs> You know, you don't want to get pulled over, do something dumb, or you're in a place that you're not supposed to be and you didn't know because ignorance is not a valid defense against the law. You go to court and you tell the judge, well, I didn't know. The judge is going to look at you and be like, mm, sorry, you still did it. <laughs> you know, the other thing, too, uh, that's kind of interesting about it, because I, I totally get that now, but, you know, coming out of the the uh, concealed handgun license class, we also have the uh, shooting test that we have to do, mm. which is now, you know, now I know because of my experience and it's actually a really easy test to pass. Mm -hmm. But when you mm -hmm. don't know and you're just getting into it, it gives you a sense of confidence that you can shoot a gun well, mm. which, and that's one of the problems that I have with the whole qualification test altogether is false sense of security. It is. It's a false sense of security. Right. And that kind of goes into, uh, when I took that next level class and I got there and I was like, wow, I really don't know how to shoot as well as I thought I did. Mm. There's a lot that I've got to learn. There's a lot that I don't know. And that started me down a path, uh, we're, we're really just more. giving you a foundation. Mm -hmm. Really, that's it. Just a foundation. Here, you go from here, the beginning of the pyramid, and then grow. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, psychologically speaking, too, there's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Are you familiar with that? Mm -mm, no. So it has to do, like, if you were to plot out a chart uh, where your uh, – on the y-axis the horizontal line it's your level of competence mm. and the vertical line is your, your level of confidence when you first start learning something and you start learning something about it you immediately your confidence goes way up but creating that false sense of security a lot of people get stuck at that peak without really being competent yet and what we call it psychologically speaking that's sitting on the peak of mount stupid because <laughs> you don't know what you don't know but right. you think you do so you're confident and then as things happen, hopefully there, there's it's usually a catalyst. For me, it was an additional class. For some people, it's uh, unfortunately when you know, it comes to self-defense that they find themselves in a situation that they weren't able to defend themselves mm. as well as they thought they would. Okay. Right. But something happens that makes you realize, oh, wow, I don't know as much as I thought I did. And psychologically speaking, that's kind of 
depressing and you're now staring into the valley of despair, which is <laughs> really, really sad. But if you continue forward and you keep on learning and you keep building up your skill, and again, this applies to everything, not just guns, you start climbing the uh, slope of enlightenment until you finally reach the, uh, I forgot what it was called, but peak of sustainability, but mm -hmm. it's essentially where you become a guru, guru, right? You do know a lot and that uh, confidence is now backed up by actual competence, and but you're still learning, even though you're always you, learning. You're always learning. You're right? always learning. Because I still learn. I learn a lot. You know, I went I went shooting last weekend, you know, had to had a rough, you know, last 30 days. And so I went out to the range, you know, shooting last weekend, and it it kind of, you know, it took a weight off my shoulders, you know. It it and it's like, man, I needed to do that. I really need to, you know, put some rounds down range. I put like a, a few hundred rounds down range, and I really need to do that to to get through what I was dealing with, you know, personally and stuff like that. So it made me feel a lot better and, and relaxed a little bit. It's like, oh, that was great. Yeah, I refer to that as group therapy. Yeah, yeah, really was. Uh, Donald says, training and knowing the law is definitely a must. Heck, he said he even carries insurance. Yeah, you know, you, you pull a gun out and you use it nowadays. I'm telling you now, you know, even if you're justified in that shooting, that can still cost you 20 grand just to get to the grand jury phase. Yeah, it, it's another way to lose your life you know not in the sense that you're no longer breathing but your life is going to change drastically afterwards if you're not prepared to handle the legal aftermath that follows yeah yeah all right yeah all right so you went from you know once you did the, the 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 license course you did other courses and then what so one of the classes that i took one of the instructors that was there uh suggested that i sign up for a local um idpa uh match right so idpa is the uh, international defensive pistol association okay and there's actually a bunch of them all over the place especially here in central texas where we're at if you want to go shoot a local match you can find something going on every single weekend that's within a 90 minute drive okay and i was kind of unsure whether i wanted to do that or not but being that i wanted to learn and practice what I was learning in those courses because a lot of things that you learn there you can't do at most public ranges like I can't go to one of the indoor ranges here and actually run around and shoot things you know right. you, you got to stay in your lane you're there and you're pretty much shooting a stack, static target for safety because there's gonna be different people there of different levels of competency shooting and they're trying to you know create a controlled environment that's safe right. so heading out to that first match that's exactly what I got to do is I got a scenario that was set up with different targets um, and it's really cool because they give you a literally a scenario for lack of a better term, but mm -hmm. they, it's like, okay, we're, you're at a gas station and you're pumping gas. So you've actually got your hand on something acting like you're pumping uh, gas with, uh, different barriers around you that would simulate other cars and fuel pumps and whatnot. And then gang members come out of nowhere and decide that they're going to go ahead and rob you and take everything and you go in action. And that's a scenario and you've got moving targets, you've got, uh, no, no shoot targets or non-threat targets, which would simulate uh, bystanders mm. that would be in that environment. And you go and you shoot that. And that first match was, for me, I just went because I wanted to practice what I had been learning. And it turns out that, like other things that are gun-related, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I will say, though, I was intimidated uh, for a little bit going out there because I was afraid I was going to run into folks who just had big egos and... Uh, who were really into the competition side of things, and I was being the new guy, I was going to get made fun of or whatnot. It reminded me of the uh, high school days of going to, to uh, 
do a sport and you were the last person to get picked on the team, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, but it turns out that everybody there, as most of the people that I've met in the gun community, tend to be just really good all around people who want to help each other. And in those competitive environments, those are people who want to be better shooters. Right. So they're constantly pushing each other to get better. Well, it seems like uh, maybe the Dunning-Kruger effect that you were talking about can also apply with firearms. Like you were saying, when you first get it, you, you know, you're so confident. And then a lot of people who are very experienced with firearms or with martial arts training, you know, those black belts, those are the guys that want to avoid the conflict the most. Yeah, it's that's the guys true. that just start the MMA class that they think that they can go just beat up whoever they want and they're so awesome and they want to get in a fight. Yeah. But it's not until you are much further into it that you that these types of people will develop that sense of, you know, more calm and aversion to conflict. Because you understand when it comes to firearms, you understand that man, that gun, that's that's final. Yeah. You yeah. pull that gun out, you use it, that is final. That's the last step. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's over. Well, it's funny that you're bringing up uh, martial arts. Uh, fun story. As a young kid, I did Taekwondo and I got my black belt. And the first thing uh, my master said to me when he handed me my black belt was, I want you to realize that you haven't mastered anything. It just means you finally have learned the basic foundation, mm. which is kind of interesting about that. But you're right. Avoidance is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that sticks with me, too, is uh, Tom Givens. One of the, I took a training class for him. Excellent, excellent instructor. If you had a chance to meet him and take one of his courses, highly recommend it. Uh, but the one thing that he said to me is nobody, if you're into martial arts, nobody goes into a fist fight not expecting to take a punch. Mm. Well, apply that to gunfighting. Don't go into a gunfight not expecting to take a bullet. And so when you put about when you look at it that way, for me, it's like I, I, I don't want to take but heck, I don't want to take a punch, right. but a bullet much less. So yeah, I'm gonna avoid that as much as possible. Mm. Yeah, that's oof. Yeah, you're right about that, man. This week, uh yesterday. Yesterday, we had a, a homeless guy in back of the building there behind the gun store, and he was laying in the roadway, and that was where you have to go to get to um, Mai Tai. Yeah, you can, they, they do Mai Tai back there behind, behind our building. And so I guess someone was driving back there, and this guy was like in the way. They couldn't get around him. So they were kind of asking him, you know, could you please, you know, get up and just slightly move over a little bit so they can drive around rather than trying to drive on top of him. <laughs> you know? And so he got violent. He got really violent and, and it happened to be a Muay Thai instructor. <laughs> and he got violent with the Muay Thai instructor and they're like, dude, no, I just want you to, you know, can you just please move over? And I'm not trying to get in a fight with you or anything. I just need you to move over so I can, you know, we can get by or whatever. And this guy got really aggressive. He started just getting, just going literally berserk. And they had to, you know, kind of put him in a chokehold and kind of put him to sleep. Yeah. Make him stop. Because he just would not stop. He just is it escalated. Just he went from zero to like a thousand miles an hour, you know, just that quick. Yeah. You know, and if he do that, you know, that something like that happened, you know, you, you watch something like that happen. If if it was a regular person, a lady, you know, by herself or something like that, that would be in, just insane. You couldn't deal with something like that. And so, you know, it, it was just just crazy how things escalate so quickly, so fast. You know? Yeah. And it's it's not when it comes to firearms, it's not about um, it's not about going to bad places or anything like that. It's you know what if you're out somewhere with your family and someone's going after someone else, they're targeting someone else, or they're trying to rob a, a different establishment and they're shooting you know at someone else, and you happen to be in the crossfire. You know it's all about 
your protection and protecting yourself and protecting your family. You know, so there's a lot that comes into that. So much that we can talk about, you know, that and, and people think, well, I don't need to carry a gun or I don't I don't I won't carry a gun because I don't go to bad neighborhoods and stuff like that. It's not necessarily about bad neighborhoods, not necessarily about bad places. You know, if you're out and about, you know, like these people are in uh, Cal- San Diego, California here, you know, four people um, are now in custody because you know, people went into the mall in, in San Diego there and start shooting up the mall to try to rob the place, just blindly, you know, shooting at everything. And so this happened as four people are now in custody following armed robbery at Nordstrom Fashion Valley Mall on Wednesday afternoon. And according to the San Diego Police Department, officers received a call around 3.40 p.m. about armed robbery. And police say that they were able to take all the robbers into custody at gunpoint and no injuries have been reported, you know, because, you know, it's all about, you know, look, going for cover. You know, if you can't take that shot, don't take that shot. California can't pull a gun any anyway. <laughs> so uh, take cover, grab the phone, dial 911, get the police there, get the information that they need and they can get there, identify who the bad guys are and they can arrest him and take him into custody. And that's how it's supposed to happen. You know, maybe it's not time for you to pull that gun out. Maybe that's not the, you know, not right moment. Not not the opportunity is not there. You know, so keep it concealed. Maybe you should get get your family to safety. Maybe that's the most important thing. There's so much we can talk about, you know, in getting involved, you know, getting into this this subject here. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. You know, when you go around the, the state of Texas, you go around the country and you look at different city council meetings, uh, they act, actually have some very interesting meetings and interesting people that have a lot of interesting things to say, you know, poems to read and songs to sing. You know, I, let's go to Plano, Texas. And this guy here had a message for, is it Valdemir? Vladimir. Vladimir. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to get that right. Vladimir. Putin. He had a message for Mr. Putin. Check the, uh, listen to this. I'm the proof when I'm in the booth spitting on the mic. It's anti-vax. Putin hates all of them blacks. Putin is a bad racist. Put him in the ground, white or brown. And I'm in plain old town. And you know you just got found. I'm a pimp on a blimp. Unless a steak is shrimp. No, you can't stop my shine. I'm number 99. And you know I grind and shine. And you know I do it all the time. One more time, I'm teaching class. This is your whole pie. Zelensky is a VIP. Ukraine and I go insane. Put a bullet in Putin's brain. You know that is the plan. I'm a Zelensky stand. I love you, Vladimir. 
Mir Zalinski, you are so smart. What's the smell? Did somebody fart? No way. What can you say? Fascinate me straight or gay. I love you and I love to grind and grind all the time. And you got that sanitizer. And you know I got that Pfizer. You know I stick it in my vein. Put a bullet in Putin's brain. Do it for the Ukraine. Before I go insane, let me antibacterial my body at the party. Sip it for candy. You know the flow. Okay. <laughs> Say, Do we have to listen to the whole <laughs> I was getting oh, into it. It was hurting my brain. Right there. It's burning your it brain. My brain. <laughs> you drive, you, it's the lady that's Jeez. sitting behind him that I think is hilarious. She's sitting there. She's trying to compose herself. She's trying oh. not to laugh. <laughs> and he's really getting into it. <laughs> oh. Boy, I tell you, I don't know how they do it. I couldn't sit there and just. <laughs> I no. Hilarious. The things that happen at city council meetings, I'm telling you, it, you, you have to get paid to sit through that stuff <laughs> and listen to citizen communication. All right. So we're, we're here in the studio talking with Uncle Zoe, and he's telling us, Uncle Zoe is talking to us about, you know, going, you know, from, uh, from fear of guns to competing with guns. Uncle Zoe. So tell, tell us, uh, you, you said you had how many hours of, of training so far? I think by the end of this year, I'll be up over 128 mm. hours of training that I've completed. I'm, I'm sitting somewhere right now between 110 and 120, and I've got another three or four eight-hour days worth of classes already booked for this year. Wow. That's that's good. That's good. All right. And then so – and and tell us some more because I, I, I love your story here. Yeah, so. Well, it all builds on each other, right? right. It's, it's – uh, Finding out that, you know what, I, I don't know anything about how to shoot a gun, even though I thought I did. And so I started becoming a better shooter, started getting into competition, which, again, that's the fun part of it. Right. Uh, but also, you know, talking about self-defense, and you know, we talked a little bit about, about avoidance and not wanting to get into the fight. Well, there's a lot that goes into that beyond just shooting a gun. And mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that we get out of some of these classes is and you mentioned it here, Michael, is things happen really fast. Mm. So when those things are happening, that's not the time where you're making uh, very important life decisions. So for example, you witness uh, a store getting rob robbed at gunpoint, right? You're not necessarily in danger, right. uh, but you're armed. Uh, do you get involved? It's not my money. <laughs> right, but that, that at that moment in time, that's not when you want to make that decision. That's right. something you need to have in your head beforehand. When you see it and you say, hey, you know, as an armed citizen, it's going to be different for different people because we're all, you know, wired a little bit differently. But, you know, for me, it's about breaking contact and getting home safely to my family. Right. So if I see a clear line to one of the exits and I can get out of there, it's like, I'm sorry, dude, but I'm out. Mm, that's right. Let me go the, call the police. Let me get somebody else here who can help with that. But I'm trying to get out of the way because I'm trying to get home to my family. Uh, but again, that's part of going into these courses and, you know, getting good quality instruction from folks who uh, understand self-defense and the other aspects that go into it and realizing that you know you've got to go home and you've got to make some plans and you've got to do your homework to figure out how and how you're going to react to certain situations um, part of that also goes into developing um, a mindset you know we, uh, you guys are familiar with uh, jeff cooper and cooper's colors okay right so yes there's, yes you know, we talk about it on the show here a lot, okay but cool. go ahead but go ahead right so so Refresh part of their it, memory so the, the, the colors here are basically, they go white, yellow, um, orange, red, and some people will add black into it. Mm -hmm. uh, conditioned white is where we're 
not thinking. We're not aware of anything that's going people. on around us. Well, it's most people, right? Most we're, people living in the white. Yep. You, you know, you're, you're sitting on your phone and you're zoomed in social media and you have no clue what's going on around you. Or you're at home and you're watching a movie. Or you're at work and you're working on something, right? You're, you're task-focused, so you've closed off what's going on around you so you know what's going on. So when you're going out in public and you're going into, uh, you know, we talk about transitional spaces where there's a lot of people coming and going, different uh, avenues of uh movement and things that are going on you don't want to be in condition white you want to be in condition yellow and it's not because you're paranoid but you want to be aware of what's going on so that you give your spidey sense a chance to go off and say hey man something isn't right right and that's when we get into condition orange which we're, we're now paying attention to something that's not quite right and we're trying to decide what's going on well part of the training classes that you take and part of becoming better at self-defense goes into uh well what do you do when you're in condition orange might be working a strategy to exit the situation, avoid the fight altogether. Uh, you might also be running what if scenarios. Well, if I try to go this way and the guy who's acting funny does this, then I'm going to react that way. Uh, you're going through if I'm if I have to escalate the use of force here because we're talking about a continuum. How am I going to do that? Well, if the guy continues to approach me, maybe the answer is put my hands up and forcefully say, "Hey, man, back off!" Right? Something to that effect to let him know you're aware to try to get him to think, and again, it's on their psychology, most criminals want an easy target, get him to say, well, I'm going to go pick on somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's, it's a lot of that that I think the average uh, gun owner, especially those who may get their license to carry or decide to carry, to do constitutional carry and exercise that right, which I'm all for, please do. But, you know, learn a little. Spend some time figuring out how far you want to get into it. You don't necessarily need to get into it as deep as I've gone into it. Right. Uh, but... Do a little bit of homework so you're not just figuring things out at the last minute because that's not the time and place to do it. I mean, I, I'm telling you, there's some people that they when when you had the when we had the class and then you had to take a renewal class at the time, you know, a few years back. There are people that would never fire their gun until the renewal class. That's nuts. There are people that wouldn't even clean their gun until the renewal class. Also, nuts. we get people that would bring guns into the shop that are so dirty i can't express to you how disgusting they are i've had someone bring a gun to the shop and i've had five cockroaches crawl out of the gun what <laughs> the most disgusting thing you ever want to see in your life just disgusting i'm telling you there's you'll be surprised you'll be shocked at the things that we see shocked well yeah cockroaches <laughs> coming out of a gun yeah that's pretty shocking <laughs> I'm i mean i've maintained my guns fairly well uh, especially my carry guns, right? Because I want to make sure that thing's tip top shape every time that, that I have it, that I have it on me in case I'm forced and left no other option, but to use it. I'm going to mm -hmm. emphasize that because it's not about, and that's the other thing too, with the, with the, uh, laws, right? I think a lot of people go into that thinking, when can I shoot? Mm -hmm. When can I use my gun? Mm -hmm. When really the question should, you should be asking is, must I? Right. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun process. Um, so yeah, lot, lots of classes taken in that arena. And then finally, some of the, the courses that I'm doing now are actually more around competition. And actually a few weeks ago, might've been a month ago, I took a class with uh, Ben Stager, who is a, I believe a five-time USPSA national champion or world champion. Um, you have to look at his autobiography to remember. I don't remember all the details, but man, Seeing some of those uh, very high-end competitive shooters work a gun is like going and listening to just 
a world-renowned musician just make it just make beautiful music with an instrument and making it seem effortless these guys <laughs> run their guns just like that it's it's almost magical to watch oh, wow. uh, how they run their guns nice and from that perspective again for me it's a lot of fun i want to get better um it's good exercise <laughs> it's stress relief uh but again it comes back to a defensive situation um knowing you brought this point earlier is knowing whether or not you can make that shot well the better shooter you are the better you're going to know and the one thing that's really important about that is to remember that there is no such thing as a miss every time you fire the gun it's a hit the question is did you hit what you intended or did you hit something that you didn't mm. because that bullet's going to come to rest somewhere that's right it, you'd be surprised the amount of people that think that they can fire warning shots oh no Mm-mm. You'd be surprised the amount of people that think it's okay to actually fire around the air. They actually think it's okay and legal to fire a gun in the air on the 4th of July. You know, there's a, a story that we covered here where the couple was in shock. The fact that, you know, the police showed up to their house in their backyard. They were firing rounds on AR-15 in the air. And they were shocked that the fact that the police showed up and shot the husband. And then the wife was like, why would you do that? We do this every single year. We always fire guns in the air. That is insane to me. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, I sent you that video. It was basically 15 guys in an apartment complex foyer, it looks like. And they were just aiming their guns up at a 70-degree angle, pistols, rifles, shotguns, and just bam, 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 unloading into the air. In, a, in, a, in the in the center of an apartment complex where uh-huh. their building's all four corners. <laughs> that is insane. And they think that's okay. I mean, some of that's just lack of common sense, man. I mean, gravity, right? What goes up must come down. Out of sight, out of mind, though. Okay. Things I mean. can ricochet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, my. It's, it's Yeah, just crazy. We come back from the break. We're talking with Uncle Zoe. We're going to go to Rhode Island. We're also going to give you an update on this mass shooting that happened in Austin, Texas. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Bright Park News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. South by Southwest, is 6th Street the most dangerous street in Texas? Well, I don't know. You tell me. The Austin Police Department says a suspect is in custody after four people were shot on 6th Street Sunday morning. The shooting happened around 2 a.m. near the 400 block of East 6th Street near Natchez Street, according to the police. Uh, the, and I'm, you know, I'm always saying those things wrong, Anna. Is it Natchez? Natchez. Natchez. Okay. Uh, the four people shot are expected to be okay. They were all taken to local hospitals with non-life-threatening injuries, according to the Austin-Travis County EMS. APD said earlier Sunday there is no current threat to the public. Um, in an update Sunday afternoon, APD officials said the shooting began following a disturbance between two groups of people. According to a preliminary investigation finding, an official said that officers do not believe the shooting was a random act. With investigation ongoing, officials added that they will not be releasing the name of the suspect at this time. The department said it will not host a press conference at this time, and it will release more information on the shooting as it becomes available. Now, Sunday is the final day of South by Southwest, which has brought thousands of more people to Austin over the past two weeks. The city of Austin has been working on efforts to make the 6th Street Entertainment District downtown safer following violence last year. 
that included a shooting where one died and 14 were hurt. Uh, Most recently, at the beginning of the month, the Austin City Council passed a resolution that, among other things, would punish bars with repeat violent incidents. So we'll see how what goes on there. Um, and according to the Austin Police Association, uh, they were saddened to see another mass shooting on 6th Street last night. The shooting falls in the, on the footsteps of a shooting downtown Wednesday night where over 70 rounds, 7-0 bullets were fired. Uh, just last night, their officers made over 30 arrests and seized over 19 firearms just before that shooting. All of the arrest seizures were on East 6th Street or in the surrounding area. And it's their understanding that over 50 firearms were seized from the same area in the past five days. Some of the charges filed were for assaultive offensive uh, offenses, uh, disorderly conduct, unlawfully carrying a weapon, felony in possession of a firearm, and aggravated assault. It should also be noted that several of these firearms were stolen. So we need to lock our guns up. You know, gun safety, uh, locking and securing your firearms is a very important thing. Do you know the number one way that criminals get their hands on guns in Austin? It's from vehicles. From vehicles. A lot of people leave their guns in their cars, you know, overnight. Remove your gun from your vehicle overnight because that's all people do around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning is try to break into your, your vehicle. Remove your gun from your vehicle. Do you know what 30.0607 signs say when you go to a building? A 06, a 30.0607 sign. You know what that says? That says that all the guns are in the vehicle in the parking lot. That's what it says. <laughs> That's why I don't go to places that post a 30.0607 sign. <laughs> Your car is not a holster. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <clears throat> so you definitely got to take them out of the vehicle and bring them with you. That's all people do is, you know, if you have little stickers, little bumper stickers that mention anything about firearms on your vehicle, you're a target. They're saying, hey, there's a gun in that car. I'm going to break into that vehicle as soon as this person goes into the store. And they're sitting in the parking lot watching you. Now, there are gun saves you can install in your vehicle. Yes. And you should do that if that's what you have to do. I know some people work in places that are not uh, permissive to firearms, but they still want to carry one with them for the trip to work and way home. But yeah, secure those things. Secret compartments. I'm all the, I'm, uh, man, I'm a big component of secret compartments in a vehicle. Push a little couple codes or push a little button to get access to the firearm. No one knows it's there. I love those little compartments. Works good. All right, we're talking to Uncle Zoe. Uncle Zoe's talking about uh, his experience from going from a novice shooter to being a competition shooter. Yeah, kind of competent. <laughs> Not as competent as it might to be, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm, I'm no longer uh, below average. Nice. And so how's that working out for you? Um, well, it's it's working very well. Um, I don't know how I would describe it. It's So, uh, you know, I mentioned... I, I, did my first competition, which yeah. was an IDPA uh, local match. Uh, one of the things that I've done with that is each match scores you in terms of how you performed. Right in, in IDPA, you're basically it's it's a timed score where you're if you're not accurate, you miss or you don't hit the parts of your, the targets where you're supposed to hit them. You get penalized with additional time. Uh, but one of the things that I've done is every time that I've completed a course, I've taken that information from how I did or completed a match. I take the information from the match and I put it in a spreadsheet so I can actually track my score improvement over time. Oh, wow. And I use that as a, as a way to measure, hey, am I getting better? And funny thing is, the more you practice and the more you shoot, the better you get. And that score gets better over time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I wouldn't say I'm a 
an avid competitor in the sense that I'm out there to, you know, be a, uh, top gun shooter or a top shooter. Uh, I'm just trying to be the best that I can be. And I'm really competing against myself and just trying to get better. And, and, and you have, have a fun. blog, you, you know, you have a blog online is unclezo.com. Yes. You know, what is, you know, what is all that? What's your website about? So unclezo.com started out about three years ago where, which is around the time when I really started getting into training and realizing that I didn't know anything. And I figured, you know what, I'm going to share what I'm learning. Um, because there are going to be other people like me who are new gun owners uh, or uh, people who, well, the other thing that I've run into is there's a lot of misinformation. Mm. I'm going to use that word right now because it's the hot thing that everybody's talking about or is that, yeah, bad information, disinformation, misinformation. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of myths uh, in gun lore that just isn't right. So I've learned a lot of things. I've invested a lot into this and I figured I'm going to go ahead and share that everything from what classes I'm taking, what to expect to get out of those classes, the equipment right. that I'm using, uh, the matches that I'm going to, uh, the times I've gone hunting, how I went to, how I learned to shoot a rifle from a static range at a hundred yards to going out to being able to shoot 1100 yards, mm. uh, with a rifle and doing long distance shooting. And that's just there. It's free information, uh, that, I think is good that some people find valuable to share that knowledge and help people uh, with their individual journey from wherever they're at. Somebody who's scared of guns to somebody who wants to be really good to just somebody who wants to be competent for their own, uh, to exercise their rights competently for self-defense purposes. Now, you talk about a lot of your website. You have a tab for hunting. What is mm -hmm. that about? Uh, pretty much it's uh, all my hunting trips that I've been on. So again, I didn't hadn't been around guns. I started hunting three years ago, mm -hmm. ago as well. And just what I've learned about uh, ballistics and some of the equipment that I'm using and uh, what it felt like to actually uh, dispatch my first animal, mm. uh, which was a deer. Uh, and so, yeah, some of that gets a little touchy-feely with emotions as well in there too, but, you know, it's an experience. Yeah. And then you have a tab for competition. Mm -hmm. So on, the, on that tab, you know, what do you show? Oh, you're going to find a lot of my IDPA scores, uh, reflections on what worked in a match, what didn't work in a match, things that I'm doing at home to get better, think how I'm changing the way that I practice when I go to the static ranges to improve uh, my shooting skills, um, and also courses that I've taken to help me improve, um, along with the equipment that I use. That's one of the, I think, the number one question I get when people are looking to take their, their uh, to go to their first match is, well, what do I need? Right. What kind of equipment do I need? Do I need a super special belt with fancy uh, magazine pouches and some super high-speed holster. And the reality is for anybody who wants to get started, just carry your gun the way you normally would carry it. Have a good holster on your belt and a way to carry uh, magazines, even if it's in your pocket. You're not going to be the fastest competitor there, but it'll get you started. You'll find out what it's like. Yeah. And you block quite a bit. You know, you... Yeah, you... you yeah. you And you have quite a few competitions. You're in the month of March here. Yep. Okay, so you got one. You had one on what you posted on March fourth, March eighth, March twelfth. Uh, no, I didn't compete that much. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few on there. I think the last competition I went to was uh, two weeks ago. Was actually my first USPSA match, which okay. is the uh, you, something practical shooting. I think it's a US uh, Practical Shooting Association. Okay. Uh, it's a different take. It's not so much defensive base. It's actually going to be more focused on speed. Uh, so. You still have to hit things, uh, but less of... Is that the one from Ben Stoger's? Yep, that was uh, uh, Ben Stoger's class. Okay. Um, he's a USPSA shooter, practical uh, shooter, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's If you want to run and gun and you want to shoot fast, that's the, the type of competition to get into. Right. 
Nice. And then uh, what about the, um, the capacity over caliber part? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a never ending uh, debate uh, that happens on social media and with all the friends. It's like, you know, what caliber do you shoot? Well, I shoot this caliber. My caliber is better. And most of those articles kind of come down to where it really doesn't matter. What matters more is can you put shots on target in the right places quickly? Right. Because it doesn't um, matter the caliber. You, you put the bullet goes there, you hit that spot, that it will drop. From a defensive perspective, yeah. I mean, there are. Uh, are there better options? Uh, you know, one, one that comes up a lot is a uh, 22 long rifle. Um, I think uh, from the research that I read on it, there's actually been more defensive use of 22 long rifle that has actually stopped a threat than anything else, which might lead people to believe that it's a very effective uh, cartridge for it. Uh, uh, probably not what I would choose because of its reliability issues with rimfire cartridges. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, understanding that there are different cartridges that you can use and Nine times out of 10 from a self-defense perspective, it's going to come down to competence um, and having your tools with you when you actually need them and knowing how to use them uh, plays more of an issue when it comes to hunting to make sure that the cartridge that you're using does penetrate deep enough into a uh, animal to dispatch it ethically. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, that's that particular blog post was around the self-defense, which the age-old uh, one is 9mm versus 45. It just seems to be the debate that never seems to die. I'm over it. I, I don't care. As long as you can shoot what you carry and you're good with it, I'll focus talking about that. All right. We come back from the break. I want to talk about home defense, you know, your one-on-one deterrence. I want to talk about that. And also want to talk about insurance, you know. Should, yeah. you, should you get insurance, you know, or should you get some kind of plan? You know, uh, if you have to use your firearm, I want to talk about that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Williford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking with Uncle Zoe. And I want to talk about uh, your home defense 101 deterrence. And I also want to talk about insurance. You know, sure. So the first, let's talk about the home defense 101. So tell me, what so, does that mean? So that was today's blog post that just went live at 3 p.m. Yeah, you're right. Uh, earlier today. I've had a lot of conversations uh, recently with uh, some of my readers around home defense and nine times out of 10, uh, people want to talk about the guns, whether it's your AR rifle or your pistol and your equipment. And I get it. Guns are cool. They're fun to talk about. And we, but there's a lot of hyper-focus on that when that's a topic. Uh, so this blog post kind of went around to start talking about, well, what are some of the other things beyond the gun that you want to, that you should be considering? And it's a, First post in the series that I'm doing right now, which talks about deterrence. And really the idea here is making an intruder change their mind about picking your house as a target, mm. right? And there's a lot of things that we can do uh, from, you know, and th thinking about the criminal mind, the, cr the criminal wants an easy payday. They don't want to get caught. They de most definitely don't want to get shot. So they'd rather find a place that's going to have very little resistance and very hard for people to see them approaching into it. So, you know, mm -hmm. doing things like exterior lighting to make it hard for them to conceal their approach. Uh, or how about uh, tactical landscaping? That's a funny term, but 
uh, you know, laying out the bushes in your yard and the trees in your yard in such a way that you minimize the number of approaches that they can choose from uh, that are easy to approach and making sure those things are well lit and there's visible surveillance and things like that to deter them. Uh, talked about, uh, you know, the stickers on the vehicles. Well, how about not parking your fancy cars outside or doing anything to make them think that there's something valuable inside the house? Mm. Um, using your blinds or uh, curtains to minimize the amount of information that they can get about what's going on inside the house, right? Mm. So whether you're employing home alone deterrence tar uh, tactics uh, or you have a you know really good uh, uh, alarm system and defense system set up in the house, we don't want them to be able to figure that out from the outside. Uh, we also don't want them to get the layout of the house uh, in their heads because now it's kind of like uh, you know driving into a neighborhood that you don't know without a map or without a GPS. Right. Probably not something that folks intentionally do because it's not fun. Well, same thing from a criminal's perspective. If they don't know where to go, it's going to be more challenging. And that's uh, and when we talk about self-defense and stopping an attack, there's two things that come into play, either a psychological stop uh, or a physiological stop, right? And that's actually shooting somebody in the vital zone to where they can no longer function um, and continue an attack. Well, deterrence is a psychological stop. You've made them decide that, hey, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, and that's what that blog post kind of gets into or some of the topics there are things that people can do and about a little bit more of the criminal mind as far as what they are thinking when they're picking a target. Mm -hmm. All right. And then what about insurance? So insurance is, I think, a very important thing for anybody who um, is a gun owner just to have, period, whether you can, whether it's for self-defense or other purposes. Uh, when I took your... Uh, concealed handgun class you actually turned me to uh texas law shield back mm -hmm. in the day and i've actually used them for uh years i've actually used their services not because i want to self was in a self-defense incident but just to call and have a lawyer on hand that i can ask about how not to get caught right and dirty because laws change <laughs> and those kinds of things uh more recently uh a sister company of palmetto state armory uh i think it's a uh, right to bear insurance uh, mm -hmm. actually reached out to me. They've got a new product out that I thought was really, really interesting because it's actually a $2 million liability policy. Okay. Uh, so if you, you know, assuming you are in a self-defense in incident and you are acquitted from criminal charges because it was justifiable self-defense, okay. you still may have to deal with the civil side of things. Correct. And you may not win that one, mm. which means you might have a, financial liability to deal with if you lose that one. Well, right. that's where that kind of policy comes in where they will pay uh, those up to $2 million worth of damages oh, wow. if you're actually found uh, civilly liable for paying damages. Mm. Uh, but so yeah, I, I definitely think that self-defense insurance and firearms insurance is extremely important. And uh, this particular company, the thing I like about them is they're really about trying to make it very, very affordable with a really good amount of coverage because... You know, that it, I hate to say it, but of firearms, there there is a barrier of entry in terms of cost. You know, licensing isn't free. It's gotten much better in terms right. of price. Right. Uh, firearms themselves aren't cheap. Um, and guess what? Legal services aren't. So no. trying to make that a, a, available to the broader population, I think, is a very important thing. And I like that mission. Yeah. And, and I, th I think the thing that I like the most about Texas and U.S. law shield is the fact that if something happens, you call that, you know, the emergency number. And you're mm -hmm. talking to an attorney. Yep. You know, I love that. You know, you're not talking to, 
a secretary, a clerk, or anything like that. You're actually talking to an attorney, you know, when you're right there at the scene, when you really need an attorney. Yeah. You know, things are happening. You know, I've had to I've had to use it myself. You know, something happened. Um, I called 911, you know, get the police, the paramedics there, and then I call, you know, the emergency number, talk to an attorney, and then get some legal advice. You know, what right. should I do now? Here, here's what happened. And, and the most important thing is make sure when you're talking to the attorney that no one can see you, see your mouth moving, and they can't hear the conversation. That's also important. So I go, to, you know, go to the area, cover my mouth, and said, okay, you know, here's what happened. You know, this happened right here. I'm over here right here. And, you know, what do I do? <laughs> Is it okay for me to talk to police or should I exercise my right to remain silent? You know, and, and the attorney will tell you. They'll say, okay, um, no, yes, you know, it's okay for you to talk to police. So, no, don't make any statements to the police at all. Uh, matter of fact, put me on speaker. Let me talk to the police, you know, or right. you know, something like that. So always best to get some legal advice, you know. So definitely get something. If you're carrying a gun and to not get something, I just can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend it yeah, because it's so expensive. It's so easy to get caught up in the legal system and, you know, and what some people say, catch a case and, you know, and you can spend the rest of your life in jail all because you made the wrong statement. You said the wrong thing yeah. that was recorded, recorded uh, on the police officer's uniform. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a major case. Right? No. Granted, those major cases, those are life changing. Your life will never, never be the... Same if it's a high-profile major case. I'm thinking uh, Zimmerman trial mm. uh, with Trayvon Martin. Kyle, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse. Yep, right. That's another one. Uh, yeah, those people's lives have been Forever. irreversibly changed. Forever changed. You know, people will know them. You know, no matter where they, no matter where Kyle Rittenhouse goes, you know, people will know him. Mm -hmm. His first name is last last name. You can change your name all you want to. They're gonna know. Right. So you can't hide from it. So you just might as well get out front, get out in front of it. You know, just just like me, you know, just in Austin, you know, I go so many different places and people will sit, yell out my first name and my last name, you know, and so, you know, you just can't run from that. No, you can't. Yeah, so, yeah, you just got to get out in front of it and get yourself something. If you're going to carry a gun, um, it's important to get some training. You know, you can't just take a license to carry a handgun course. You really need to take other training after that. You really need to practice, you know, give with an instructor, maybe do some one-on-one -on -one stuff, you know, do some other training. And then, you know, get something, you know, if you're going to carry a gun every day, have some type of legal program, some type of legal plan. I cannot stress that enough. I cannot tell you the amount of times that people call us during the week because they experienced something, something has happened and, you know, they want to get our advice. Well, unfortunately, we are not attorneys. We cannot give you legal advice. Yeah. And Texas Law Shield gives you no caps, no hourly time limits and no deductible. Yeah. Yeah. So. But practice. Ammo is expensive right now, Michael. It is. It you know, is. What can I do to practice and not spend an arm and a leg? Well, you know. Well, if you take <laughs> some training, you will learn that dry fire is a thing, and that's something you can you can pretty much practice just about every fundamental mechanic of shooting except recoil management right? without ammunition. So you can become a better shooter without ever actually firing a live round. You see how much you're anticipating the shot every time you pull the trigger, mm -hmm. which is a big problem for everyone, <laughs> for a lot of people, anticipating that shot. I tell people, you can't run for the bang. Don't be afraid of the bang. It's gonna, the gun's going to go bang. You can't stop it. You know, yeah. just, <laughs> and again, it's not just shooting, but how do you use concealment? How do you use cover? How do you identify cover? Are we talking about home defense? What Can you use uh, your furniture as concealment? There's, there's a lot there that you can do at home without having to spend a lot of money. Man, Uncle Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell people how they can find you. Best way is go to my blog, unclezo.com. Uh, from there, you've got links to all my social media, and I'm 
mostly active on Twitter. So if you get there and follow me on Twitter, that's great. But I'm also on the Facebook and the Instagram. I think I've got a YouTube, but I haven't posted a video in ages. So don't go there. <laughs> uh, but even on the blog, there's uh, a contact uh, form on there. So if you shoot, if you fill that out, that email is going to come straight to me and I answer every single email that comes through. Nice. Definitely check it out. UncleZo.com. There's a lot of information on there. Talks about he goes from being a novice to being comp doing competition shooting. You can learn a lot. He's he's talking a lot a lot of different things. Learn a lot of different experiences. Um, you know, looking at it through his eyes. You know, definitely take a look at that blog. As always, folks, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've listened to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.